It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live for Wednesday afternoon. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion tight end Howard Cross. We'll be here for the next hour or so to talk Giants football at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. We can always uh, catch you as hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. And later on in the afternoon or tonight or whenever you might want to listen to the program, if you've missed us live, you can always go to the Giants Archive, your favorite podcast platforms everywhere, and check us out there. Howard, before we get started, let's talk about the big headline news of the last 24 hours. Daniel Jones confirming that he does have a sprained neck. Okay. And um, Daniel Jones was out at practice today. Uh, Coach Joe Judge told us he has been cleared medically to practice and does plan on practicing him throughout the course of the week. And as of today, he would not rule him out for Sunday's game against the Miami Dolphins. Should he not be able to play, Mike Glennon would then have to step in and take the controls against the AFC foe. I thought you were going to ask me about the Notre Dame coach leaving, but okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Daniel's a tough kid. I, I think that, you know, uh, regardless of what's happening, if, if he has the ability to and he and he can, if it won't kill him, he, he'll probably try to play. It'll be more of them trying to hold him out, to, you know, to, for safety reasons than anything else. Once you get cleared to play, then it's just – how you feel going forward? Do you, if you make sure you don't get any setbacks? Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Glennon is like a—he's a professional. He knows that you know you got to be always ready, especially when you're the backup quarterback. Because one thing could happen, and all of a sudden they put you in the game. You got to know what to do and be ready to do it. So that's just part of the business. Logan Ryan, coming off the COVID protocol, has been reactivated. He was in the building on Monday and was able to practice today. Look, uh, there's no question about his experience his ability to play. He is a very valuable part of this defense. The Mm -hmm. Giants survived without him last week. In fact, they had to play without him for the last two games. But that's a big, big addition to get back into the secondary. It it is a a great addition to get back into the secondary, but you got to give Julian Love some love, as they would say. We can. He he really, (laughs) really showed up in some big plays, knocking balls down, covering tight ends. Um, Even some guys a couple times in the slot coming up big and big-time tackles. Uh, recovering a fumble, he 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 made a lot of great plays in in the last game, uh, and that'll be helpful going down the going down the last stretch here with you know when you get everybody back in that back in that secondary. Well, you know it's funny you talk about stepping up. How about what Aaron Robinson did with the extra snaps, and J.R. Reed also had extra mm-hmm. snaps this past Sunday because the Giants started losing defensive backs like flies. And in fact, we also know since that game, Darnay Holmes is now on the injured reserve list, which means he will miss at least three weeks. Wow. You would think that Robinson is probably the next man up out there. You know, I guess he is, but you know, I don't know exactly what the rotation is going to be and and why they put guys in certain places. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, who who steps in uh, out, out of that group and who winds up playing? But they've all done a great job when they've been called upon, um, and and that's something that's usually you don't say about guys that are coming in as backups. You think like, okay, they can just maintain until we get our guy back. 
But these guys are coming in and making plays, so that's that's a great thing. You know, talking about young guys, though, Howard, I have to say it was ironic when you looked at the game Sunday against the Eagles, and we'll talk about the Miami Dolphins so much more during the course of this next hour, but the guys who made the big plays, Love at the fumble recovery, mm-hmm. Holmes, Crowder mm-hmm. had interceptions, uh, and so did um, oh, McKinney. McKinney. Mm-hmm. How could I forget the Bama guy it's with the, the Bama, Bama guy sitting right in front Bama, of me, right? You know, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> but think about that for a second. The four takeaways on this defense, all done by young guys whose arrow is pointing up. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing. But you got to also remember that they were throwing the ball to him. So it wasn't like they were like out there making these incredible plays. I think Holmes had probably the best interception out, out of the group because uh, he ran by the guy mm-hmm. to get the ball. Uh, but even in that play, the receiver, for whatever reason – Looked like he got lost for a second, and he's like, "Okay, you stop. I'm gonna keep going." He takes gets the interception, so you gotta be happy with that. The guys when the when the play came to them, they made it. That's what I like about it. You know, you can't, you don't always turnovers are this thing that's like it's an accident. No one's intending for the ball to be turned over, but when it comes to you, you got to make the play, and they've done a good job of it. Well, let's speak about Crowder, who made that pick at the goal line. Mm-hmm. That was because of the pressure by Ojolari, yeah. who flushed Hurts out of the pocket and got him to panic. Well, you got it. Like I said, we we were trying to get more and more pressure on the quarterback week in and week out, and these guys are starting to step up a little more every every week. Uh, you, you got Lorenzo Carter back in the game a little bit. He's He's coming off that ankle. You got, you know, Ojolari, like you're saying, he's playing well. Like so you got guys trying to when you see other guys making plays too, and you've been been beat up, you like, okay, I gotta get back in there and get make a play or two. <laughs> so that, that's it. And the thing that's gonna, you know, affect them mostly going down the stretch is, you know, first off, being able to get to the quarterback. Second off, somehow, some way they gotta gotta be able to hold their lanes when they're when they're playing the the run and, and you know, keep guys in position, they they kind of get caught on the edges a little bit. Guys have been attacking them, and teams have been attacking them on the edges and getting some extra yards. They're gonna have to find a way to stop that over these next few games. There is no one on this broadcast team who knows more about Waddle and Tua since they are <laughs> Bama guys, and since they are two of the most critical parts to the Dolphins' puzzle. Howard, I will ask you for your scouting report on what the Giants can expect from these two fellas, with in mind that Tua has missed some game because of injury this mm-hmm, year. And Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett has had to play a number of, of games. Mm-hmm, and Waddle is fifth in the National Football League right now with 77 receptions. Yeah. Uh, as far as Tua goes, he, he's a talented kid. Uh, still, I think he's still learning the quarterback position from a pro level. I think you can see that sometimes he holds on the ball a little longer than he should. Uh, that was his his mishap in college. You know, he was extremely accurate. He had some legs. He was able to run, but sometimes he wants the big play, and we're seeing that a lot. You know, in the quarterbacks around the league trying to get the big play. I think they've kind of talked him into, "Hey, look, you can take the check down. It's okay." And like, and again, he's like rubbing his ribs. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe the check down isn't so bad anymore. So that's one thing. But the, the kid Waddle, it, it's how do I explain him? You know, they had a kid last year, Devontae Smith, that won the Heisman kid that you don't like when you say with the pencil arms. The kid that would have won. And legs. Okay. The kid that would have won the Heisman is Waddle. Waddle was coming off of a broken leg, and he had led the, the, the nation in receptions and returns and balls out of the backfield and whatever. Full disclosure, Howard, yeah. I liked Waddle a lot better oh, than Smith, goodness. just so you oh, know. Oh, my goodness. I did. They're, they were interchangeable. They were really good. But Waddle is, is a guy that can – he's learning to run routes. Whereas Smith is the polished route runner, 
Waddle has just been this super blazing speed guy that you just had to keep up with. And he's a fast twitch guy. And if he learns to, you know, get in and out of cuts quick, then it could be a problem. Well, he's learning to get in and out of cuts quick. He's making guys have to cover him. They're giving him a little more freedom in his route running, but he's still running better routes. And he can catch the ball. And he and he's hard to tackle once he once he gets it. He's not one of those guys that's going to catch and slide. He's going to catch it and make a couple moves, kind of like Tony. He's very, he can be very explosive, and the only way to get him is to keep him in front of you because if he ever gets behind you, he's gone. To this point, he's only averaging just under 10 yards a catch, which is surprising given his ability to get yak yardage. But, again, maybe teams have just played him very well with their shells and their zones, and, and they they've kn- been able to bring him down. Well, they know to double him. Like, you know, the other guys aren't really scaring you, so you, you kind of focus your attention on the guy that's the most dangerous. And if you put a guy over the top, kind of like we did last week on Devontae Smith, a guy over the top and a guy underneath, underneath, you make the quarterback say, okay, do you want to throw it to him? Go ahead. Like, if he, if he tips it or if, he, if we get a hand on it, we might get it. Bradbury so, had him a number of times, yeah. too. He did a good job. He did a decent job, yeah. All right, so uh, 201-939-4513. We have a few phone lines open. Dial us up. We'll get you right up on the program before we do get to that first phone call, Howard. So if you're the Giants, what do you do with Waddle? Do you stick Bradbury on him and shadow him all game, knowing that he is by far their most accomplished passing threat? Or do you mix it up and, like you said, play some guys over the top and, and use some bracket coverage and stuff of that nature? And what I do is I bring pressure on Tua. I bring pressure on him from different spots on the field uh, just so he's uncomfortable the entire time and make him give the ball up and turn it over. I think the one thing about Tua that, that, that you like is that he's you know this kid that wants to be a tough kid and everything, and if he doesn't understand it immediately, he'll hold it. He's not just going to throw it away like a, you know, a lot of quarterbacks will do. He'll hold it and try to figure it out. So if you can make him second-guess himself a few times, You'll, you, you could rattle him. I mean, he's a good kid. He's going to work hard. He's going to probably work through it. Uh, I thought he was going to be an excellent – he'll be a better quarterback. Uh, I don't know what that health – I thought he'd be healthier than he is. But mm-hmm. he, he can – you can get to him. And I think if you start getting to him, causing him to look for his hot routes early, it, it could be a, something of an advantage to you. 201-939-4513. We want to get to our phone callers. we got a couple of people calling in right now. We'll get to you in just a second. Uh, before we do, we should remind you folks that the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. In fact, there's another variant as well that seems to be making its way around the globe. People who are not fully vaccinated are at a greater risk for COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated to talk to your health care provider and folks remember there is still season tickets even though there's only a partial season left for new york giants football you could always get your season tickets for the 2022 season uh, with only a hundred dollar deposit limited seats are available speak with a giants ticket rep now uh, call 888-NYG-1925. That number also applies if you're looking for a giant suites, a great way to entertain family and friends while rooting on your team here at MetLife Stadium. Again, 888-NYG-1925. Let's go to the phone lines. I didn't catch the name on line number one, but you're first up on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. How are we doing? Hi. Hey. Am I on? Yes, yes sir. you are. All right. Well, howdy, fellas. Happy, happy December. Yes, um, sir. You too. <laughs> love your show. I get my Giants fix on. Uh, I haven't uh, been able to call for two or three weeks, so i got a couple things saved up, so hopefully they're good. 
Uh, I, I'm ex- really excited that Howard's here because I got a question where his blocking expertise uh, could come into play here. Um, Matt Pert, does he even have the right body type to be a good blocker? Like he seems real lean, and I'm just wondering if there's in the history in history if there's any uh, great blockers that were that lean. Uh, Lomas Brown was about two sixty five, two seventy in 2000 when we wound up going to the Super Bowl that year. He was probably same weight or smaller than me that season. So, yeah, they're, they're, it doesn't matter the size of the guy. You just got to have great technique and some good strength. And by the way, okay. uh, Matt Parrott's only in his second NFL season. Mm-hmm. He's got a little body maturing to go on, too. He'll get stronger. He'll get a little bigger. Well, I know that, I know he was a bit of a project, and they were saying he's got to get stronger, and he, and he looks strong enough, so I'm, I'm hoping he's strong. Well, good, that's reassuring. Um, okay, so another thing, I, I don't mean to be negative, but the second half of the game, the punter seemed to be punting pretty poorly. Uh, he needed long, booming kicks, all three of them, and he got like, you know, crappy 40-yarders. And it seems like as the game went on and the, and the kicks became more clutch, his uh, legs became smaller. <laughs> and in the, the last kick, uh, a minute and change to go, and a uh, game on the line, he kicks like a 38-yarder with no hang time, gets returned eight yards. I'm just wondering, couldn't a high school kid kick better than that? Wow, that's really impressive. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so for you, just so you understand, I don't, I don't defend punters and stuff. That's just not my, okay. not my thing. But I will tell you what happens. He'll have to call when Jeff Fegels is yeah, doing the show. Yeah, good luck with that one. Right. Fe- Fegels will jump down <laughs> your throat. Uh, but for me, but, I, I looked at it as, and I'm not looking at him because I don't understand punting, so I'm not going to, right. you know, qualify it. But what what was happening in the game is that. Every, I think they got close on one, and then they got close on another one, and then for the last part of the game, they were they were sending, they were rushing, they were like they were trying to block it. So he had to get the. I'm hoping that you don't really change your steps or whatever, but he was had to get the ball out really quick because they were trying to get. Oh, okay. they, did, they were definitely trying that. to block it, and they were like, and they were bring, bringing in the gunners and everything, and it's like. Good luck. You know, I was like, I was like, man, this is going to be. And even Paul came down to the sidelines. Like, Paul, watch this. Like, they're going to try to get him again. He goes, like, what? I'm like, they've almost got him twice. So they're after him. So it's it's one of those things when one team feels like there's somebody in the front that they can they can maybe pull or push or get him get him off off balance. So you can get another guy through. They they start loading up in that gap and start coming after you over and over again. And you can see it in the game. You know, sometimes the coach will say, "Look, we know they're coming." Just get it off. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's the simple instruction. And last week, the Miami Dolphins blocked the punt and recovered it for a touchdown. <laughs> and as Joe Judge told us today, all three of their units, offense, defense, and special teams, they're risk takers. They are very aggressive with their philosophies and their game plans. So after watching the tape of last week's game, yeah. I think the Dolphins yeah. will try to come. Yeah, if it's on tape, it's hard, it's hard to deny. They'll, they'll, they'll go after him. Okay, Is that, that makes me feel a little better. <laughs> um, hey, quick thing about Caden Smith. Uh, do you know the nature of his knee issue, and do you know if he's under contract for next year? I uh, don't think he is under contract for next season, and the nature of the injury, was just it was just a sore knee. Oh, so like tendonitis or something. Yeah, I mean, it, we're not the doctors and stuff, so we don't really know. Okay. But it must be something bad enough for him not to be playing. Let's put it like that. But I haven't seen him practice in a while either. specific injury, though. Okay. Well, that's too bad. Um, and then one last thing. Uh, now, some callers yesterday were, were talking about they'd like to see uh, Evan Ingram, you know, run more deep, you know, routes over the middle or whatnot. 
and the coaches weren't calling that for some reason. And you guys mentioned, uh, well, maybe they were keeping them back for blocking. But could another reason also be that maybe the coaches were uh, cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, his productivity of, you know, having balls glance off his hands and get intercepted, which happened six times last year and almost happened last game, maybe they're just trying to limit that to cut down on our turnovers. I think it's probably more that uh, he's needed and everyone's needed to try to help protect the quarterback. If you hadn't noticed right. that he's that, that, that Daniel's not rolling out, he's running out of the pocket sometimes. <laughs> and you know, you're, give you're, him a motorcycle back there, Howard. Your view, your view of what happens with Evan Ingram is a Pro Bowl uh, tight end. Whether you know people like to believe it or not, like he went to the Pro Bowl last year, he had over sixty receptions. He had a few drops. The drops seem to be the thing that people remember. But that's how life is. You you remember the worst things. You don't remember the good things. You 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 find that you could have a like I tell my kids all the time. You can save a million lives and be a lifesaver, but if you're if you're an asshole one time, you're an asshole for life. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, this is not AM radio, so we know little kids are not listening. Thank you so much for the call, Jeff. Okay, thank appreciate you. it. We'll get back to the family right. portion of our show right now. Sorry about that, Paulie, but she needs to know. <laughs> we, will, we will go to line two, Rich in Long Island. You're next on Big Blue What's Kickoff Live. Hello. I greatly appreciate that, what you said there. You know, raising my kids, I said three things. You got to do, number one, respect mom and dad. Number two, have common sense. And number three, don't be an alien. I said it wrong. I'm sorry. And we're not going to repeat that anymore. Rich, go right ahead, please. Thank you. I want to, you know what, uh, so... uh, my thing is, you know what, with the offensive line, you know, listening to Carl on the postgame show with Nate Solder and stuff. Uh, Paul, who was that guy we picked up? He was, uh, what, the number one pick from Tennessee? Like Isaiah Wilson, ago. you mean, the, from Georgia. Yeah, it, yeah, what's up with this guy? Uh, he came in, to be frank with you, needed a lot of conditioning because uh, he was not in appropriate football shape when the Giants signed him. Remember, he had been out on the street after being yeah. uh, you know, let go a couple of weeks earlier. And Joe Judge tells us he's more of a long-term project. Now, not that they can't use him this season, because he said if, if they really need to, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, you break glass and it says in case of emergency, break glass yeah, and you put right. the guy in. We do not want to be breaking any more glasses. Yeah. Well, no, we really no. would rather we, we, not. We've I mean, broken a lot of glasses this year. <laughs> yes, and I yes. Just got, I got two more points. So, uh, And by know, the way, they're working a bit guard in practice, just so you know. Oh, you know, Paul, I, uh, you know, I hit you up once up on Twitter talking about way back when with Johnny Parker. You know what? I would love for you. I would love for you guys to get on uh, whoever the strength and conditioning coach of the Giants is, and just uh, you know question him about you know all these injuries and stuff. We're not and allowed let, to have any of the staff oh, members come on the can. program. All right. I apologize. Well, not, right. not, Howard, not within the rules. Gotcha. And Howard, my question to you is: You and McKinney. What's the wager with Andrew Thomas this Saturday? Roll Tide. Have a great day, guys. (laughs) Well, it's usually a standing 20, but I don't know Andrew Thomas, so I can hide from him. But Rodney Hampton is definitely looking for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Yeah, he's he's been giving me 20s for years. So he's like, hey, Howard, how you doing? I'm waiting for him. (laughs) Rodney Hampton is a name from the past. Always love Rodney. Haven't seen him in a while. He's been around. He's been to a lot of games. I've been doing a lot of fanfare things. Did you catch him? Autographs. Yeah. Excellent. I've uh, been in a lot of uh, corporate events. I've seen him, I've seen him around. So yeah, right one of the time. real nice guys. One of the most pleasant people you'll ever meet. Absolutely, one thousand percent. Yep. 
201-939-4513 is our number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We go to line three, and wouldn't you know, it's Charlie from Maine. How are you, Charlie? What's up, Charlie? Hey, Polly Doss. What's hey. going on? Mr. Cross. How are we doing? Hey, I, um, I, I, I'm doing good. I just can't, I, you know, let me say this. I am so glad that we finally got lucky and beat Philly. Like, they've been so lucky being beating us in so many games. I mean, we need another five to do it. But <laughs> How about ten? <laughs> yeah, maybe ten. Yeah. But saying, saying all that, it was a pathetic win. But, like I said, I'll take it. Good, but the offense was, uh, like I always say, this offense is offensive. And um, do you, do I you, just don't, Didn't Philly blow somebody out the game before us? Like 45 points? Yeah, well, I'm not oh, talking about uh, the defense yet. But, no, but, but, no, defense, no, but what I'm saying is I want you to continue to talk about this and keep in mind that you watch them blow another team out as their defense ravaged a team, and at least our team yeah. was able to score a few points and figure it out. But you're looking at it in a way that, oh, it's such a pathetic way. I'm like, man, we could have been on the other, receiving end of that 45-point or 35-point yeah. yeah. loss. Yeah. <laughs> and, by the way, had you know who was fully capable of hitting a 51-yarder and he just missed it, had he made that kick, it's 16-7, and it doesn't even come down to the uh, final possession. But there's so many other players. But it's, I, I, it's, it's I, I the get false that, starts. It's I, all I, I get stuff. that. Yeah, it's a lot of things going on. But, but here's the thing, Charlie. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, when you and, talk and, about – And it's Fletcher Cox, the, the the monster on the other side of the field. No one seems to remember the plays over there besides me. I, 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 will, I will say this, Charlie. Please keep this in mind. You know when, when Tom Coughlin used to say more games are lost than they are won, and, and people like to use that phrase, learn not to lose – well, there are two things I want you to keep in mind about what the Giants did on Sunday. And if either one of these things had gone awry, they certainly would have been in position to lose the game and probably would have. Number one, they didn't give the ball away once. No interceptions, yeah. no fumbles. The other thing, only two penalty flags were marked off against the Giants for a combined 15 yards. Now, those are two huge things that they cleaned up that help you not to lose games. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, to me, the penalties were the biggest thing because we always get the penalties at the wrong times and they're always holding 15 yards, whatever, dumb stuff. But, yeah, well, like I said, well, you know, we needed a lucky win against Philly. But um, what the other thing is, is I didn't know Jones was injured, but if he is and he's only 60 75%, do not play him. We did that the other year when we played him at Arizona because he begged to play. Last year on the sprained awful. ankle. Yeah, and he yeah, didn't play well. Yeah. yeah, so let's not do that again. Mike Glenn is a better quarterback if Jones is only 60 to 70%. So let's play Mike, give him a shot at uh, Miami. And uh, he's used to the warm weather. It's supposed to be, is it going to be like in the 80s, real humid down there? But <clears throat> anyway, the thing is, is the defense, though, it was the defense. Look, we got four turnovers. You know, but you can't count on that every week, for God's sakes. But they let him march up and down the field, up and down the field, over three hundred yards. Charlie, hold on one yards. second. Now, now I gotta give you a Go little ahead. bit. I gotta give you a little bit of oregano I love, here. I love, I love that Charlie's complaining that we gotta win. I know, but here's what Charlie's not t- keeping in mind: the bend but don't break philosophy that allows teams to compile big stats and yards between the 20s is something the Giants have employed exceptionally well because they clamp down in the red zone. 
So I don't buy the criticism when people say, oh, they gave up 200 yards rushing. They gave up X number of yards total in the game. Who cares? That was the game plan. You think Bill Belichick cares that Thurman Thomas ran for 100 yards in Super Bowl 25? No, because he wanted him to. That was the strategy. So please get off of that. Charlie, you're smarter than that. I don't think he wanted to give up 200 yards rushing. I don't think. You can give up. Charlie, if you give up over 200 yards rushing every game and you win, what would you take? Yeah, well, if we win. But the thing is, the the problem was Philly should have ran more. When they were down in the the, uh, red zone and they were on the five yard line and said, the ball. They should have ran it. They would have gone in there easy. But anyway, that's a dumb coach, and I'm glad he's dumb, and I'm glad Philly is stupid that <laughs> we won the game. So that is all good. But what I'm trying to say, everybody you know, on Twitter and all Giants fans, they're thinking like, oh, wow, we beat Philly. Now we're going on a roll. You're not going on a roll with a game like that. you know. And the thing is, Miami is a different team. They, they, they're on a roll. They've won four in a row. you know. So let's see what happens. I think everyone should just cool it a little bit. And like I said, if Jones is not 100%, do not play him. It will be stupid to do that. So thanks, guys. Thank you, Charlie. Be well. So for Charlie, for Charlie's answer, just to help him out, because I know that he's like he wants to doom and gloom in the end of the world. Uh, who did Miami play the last four games? The Jets. Who else? Houston. Houston. They did beat Baltimore, and then last uh, week they beat Carolina. Well, Baltimore has been, as we've seen, up and down. They're having a little problem right now, and yeah. they beat Carolina, who seems to be on the downside. So, Charlie's expectations of a team that's beating bad teams is that okay? Well, they should beat us too. Then I guess is what he's saying. It's a different team because they're on a roll with bad teams, or we can just have another decent game and play muddy football and, and win another one. But mm-hmm. my ideal is like you know, just for fans to know. I don't care how many yards you get. I don't care how many passing yards, rushing yards. If the, if if at the end of the game the score is plus on our side and minus on your side, that's what you want. This is not college football where you get style points. You only get points for wins. Correct. And sometimes the philosophy and the game plan, which is designed to win the game, makes the game ugly. And that's just the way it is. It just happens that way sometimes. You play with what you got. By the way, <laughs> the Dolphins were 1-7 before they won four in a row. And so a month ago, people were probably betting uh, in Philadelphia, not in Philadelphia, in Florida. They were probably betting this team could go 1-16. Yeah. I mean, they were so down on them at 1-7. People thought the world just, was coming to an they end. They just needed a soft spot in the schedule to get themselves back on their and feet. They, and they've scraped through with a few wins. Yeah, Towered. I call it the quicksand of mediocrity all the time because there are about 20 teams in this league that one bounce, one penalty flag, one bad call changes a win to a loss in a heartbeat. That's the way this league is. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing, and I understand what you're saying. You play. You try to win every game. You try to make every play. You try to do whatever. I tell everybody all the time, it's about five plays in the game to probably decide it. Whether it's a blowout or not, there's five things that's got to set, in that, set the momentum going one way or the other. Sometimes it's fewer than or, that. Or there's five plays that kind of – so in our game, the last game we had four or five plays that changed the, the outcome of the game. It's great. We won. It could have gone the other way, but we won that one. So the, the object is to get a little better every week. And I, and I know that, you know, well, this season's done. Like, no, it's not. Get a little better every week. Find a way to win against the Dolphins. Like, find a way to win. Find a way to score some points. That's find it. a way to stop them from scoring points. And all of a sudden, 
you won two in a row. If they won two in a row, everybody's going to be oh, they're on a roll. Like, they're not on a roll. They just won another <laughs> game. You just got to take a little bit at a time, and you got to c- continue to improve. You just would like to improve from – you'd like to improve from the uh, preseason games into the season, but sometimes you just, it takes time. Before we go back to the calls, 201-939-4513, there are phone lines open. Howard, I want to get your quick take on Mike Lennon who, in case he plays this week against the Dolphins, well, he played against Dallas mm-hmm. when Daniel Jones had gotten hurt and come out. Uh, he's a pocket passer. He's he's a big, strong guy. He's got a terrific arm, can make all the throws, but he is a statue back there in the pocket. And with a heavy blitz team like the Dolphins, who blitz 37% of the time, the most in the NFL, you know they will challenge him and they will send a lot of heat at the pocket because he's not a guy who's going to run around. Well, you know, when that when things like that happen, you have to be really, really tight with uh, who's your blitz and who your hot guys are. That's all it is. Like, I've played in a lot of games where you play against teams that they send everybody almost every play you felt like. And the hot guys just got to know where they're going. Like, okay, am I, am I running out here? You have to, and they know where you're going to have to go. When they send guys, everybody off, the, off your right side, they know that, that the right side can't be picked up and one of those receivers is going to run a hot route, if not both of them. Usually, usually in some cases, it's the slot guy. Sometimes they send the, send everybody from the single receiver side. When it's a single receiver side, they know that guy is the hot guy, and you play up and you try to play a defense to stop him. Be a great week for Tony or Shepard to be back, but we just don't know yet. Well, it's not just Tony and Shepard. You can get Galladay out there on the edge, and they'll send guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you're not going to see them send a lot of guys from Galladay's side. You're not going to if Tony's in the game, you may not see them send them guys from Tony's side. They're going to look at the look at the receivers. They're going to see, okay, who's been out here the longest? Who, who's who's more familiar with the quarterback? Who's more familiar with the blitz? Probably sure. And then they're going to send guys from that side. They're going to challenge. They're going to challenge Saquon and to see if he can pick up the blitz. They're going to try to keep him in the backfield. You know, part of part of a running back's responsibility is to block. But you know, you get the most yardage when they send the blitz, and you could dump it over the guy to the back in the flat, and he mm-hmm. just goes. They're going to they're going to do it. They're going to try to keep him in the backfield blitzes. That's what happens in games. That's what that's what you're supposed to do. I didn't keep count on Sunday, Howard, but it seemed to me there might have been a few more empty backfields that the Giants ran against Philadelphia than they had in prior weeks. In fact, because you saw Booker and Barkley both mm-hmm. on occasion when they were in the game go out wide. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and that's something also that can help kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, discombobulate a defense. If they're going to show like, oh, they're going to send the X, Y, and Z, and all of a sudden now you got you got Barkley running out to the to the to the sideline. They got to account for him. Let me let me paint a picture for you so you can so guys can understand what happened in the last game. You can send guys split guys out, do whatever you want to do. You got Fletcher Cox in the game. He's one of the premier defensive linemen, not defensive tackles, not defensive. Hargrave's man. pretty good too. He plays all over the front, mm-hmm. and he's scary. So wherever he is, you're turning protections. You're trying to get guys. You, you're he frees guys up because you got to get another guy on him. And when he's one on one, the quarterback's scrambling. That's just who that guy is. So you can split guys out. You can empty your backfield. You can do whatever you want to. Somebody's got to block ninety-one. Somebody. So well, a couple. Dolphins people. don't have a flexor, Fletcher Cox. Well, Thank know, goodness they, for that. But, but what they do. Jalen Phillips has had a pretty good yeah, rookie but year. What, but what they do have is a bunch of guys coming from a lot of different areas. <laughs> that they do. <laughs> so, <laughs> that they do. So you, like I said, so there, theirs is more schematic where you're studying yes, the film is. and you have to be able to identify who's coming and why. And it's as opposed to 
how are we going to block this guy? You know, like, how are we going to block this guy is, is a problem. So when people start sending blitzes, if you're on top of your game, okay, identify this guy as the mic. When you identify this guy as the mic, if another guy comes from that side, okay, look at, we're overloaded on the side. Receiver, you see who that guy is. If that guy comes, we're coming to you. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just the game you play. Recognition yeah. is mm-hmm. going to be very important for those receivers. And that's Mike Lennon. That's Danny. That that's every receiver out there outside of the quarterbacks. That's the running backs. That's whoever's in the game. Mm-hmm. And then that's the line being able to slide, knowing that okay, we got to slide to these guys. I also expect the Dolphins to do a lot of twist inside because the one thing the Giants have had a hard time with sometimes in in, in protection and, and pickups is twist. You're going to see a lot of twist. You're going to see twist, and you're going to see free runners. One thing you will also see, Howard, they send their safeties an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And they'll go cover zero, which in other words, folks, and cover zero means there's nobody back there deep yeah. in the in the safety area to help either on a bracket or deep coverage so that, or, or that, double coverage. That could, that could kill them in this game. We have some receivers that can get down the field. So it's that, high risk, high reward when so you said those kinds of blitzes. Slade, Sladen and Ross love double <laughs> love zero coverage. Yeah, they do. And you just dump And that's not a ball that has to be very touch-driven. It's just got to be out in front and let them run. Mm-hmm. Back to the phones at 201-939-4513. Tim in Charleston, you're next on the program, and you'd like to talk about one of Howard's favorite players. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. But, uh, hey, Paul, hey, Howard. I'll tell you, it's always great to be the first caller after Charlie and be the voice of, of, <laughs> of reason and optimism instead of uh, insanity and Twitter pessimism. But, um, I wonder so, where, uh, I wonder and, where and, Charlie and, coached. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I had a few quick points to go through, and I'll let you com- uh, I ask for your comments. And um, one of them is on McKinney. I mean, I think that hands down, I think he's our season MVP to date. I don't think you could say that any other player has played above the X's and O's as much as he has. Um, so, and also, um, the one thing I was looking at, what I, I kind of was wanted to ask, but I think I saw it yesterday in the Sean O'Hara play of the game, was on that Tay Crowder pick. I wondered how close he was to a pick six. And, uh, you know, with an extra step, he, he might have had it. But, you know, it is what it is. It just would have been a great play, reminiscent of the uh, LT return in the Thanksgiving game against <laughs> Detroit many, many years ago. Still one of my favorite all-time giant plays. Mm-hmm. Um and on, on you also mentioned it, Paul. I think that you know if Tony comes back healthy. Um, I think there's a an opportunity at least for him to have a real potential haul versus this very blitz happy Miami team. You know, if because he can catch one just four yards past three four yards past the line of scrimmage and break it if there's not a lot of guys back there to tackle him, he's going to be hard to get. I just and I, I I'm okay with Glenn, and I feel like you know. He's, he's going to be steady as long as he doesn't turn it over because I, I do think this game is going to come down to the rep- repercussions of turnovers. I think these teams are pretty even, but we'll see. And then just last two things optimistically, I'm feeling, I don't know, I feel it in my gut. Not that I haven't felt this before and been wrong, but I feel like maybe it's time for Barkley to have a breakout game where he, he busts some, some good solid runs and shows more consistency. So with all that being said, this is a huge game for us with six games left. I feel like we win this one and then we can move on. We get Dallas at home and, and other games that are winnable. Well, the Chargers are next, but let's get through Miami first. That's what he means. He's, yeah, saying, exactly. he's, he's saying oh, one at right. a time. That's he's right. saying one at a time. Right, right, right. No, I understand. I understand, but I always like to kind of look ahead. And I think, you know, if we win this game, 
I think four and two is reasonable. Five and one is feasible. And Howard, I know you always call me an optimist, so there it is. I'll leave it at that and <laughs> take your comments off the air. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate the phone call. Thank Howard, you. the two things that I definitely want to get your take on what he said. First of all, McKinney as potentially the season MVP of this club by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, he could he could wind up being a, the season MVP. He'll probably get another interception or two during during the season. Maybe if more if he stays healthy and stays in, involved in the game. Um, you know, you got you got to uh, credit some of the veteran defensive backs that have helped him put him in the right position out there. He's not necessarily wearing the, the dot on his helmet making the call, so that helps him out a lot too. He can range a little bit. The kid's got some great range. He's and he's a he's a really good safety, and he, and he'll come up and hit you. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's like sometimes he'll come up too fast and miss you, but most of the time he comes up and he puts some wood on you. So he has great ball skills, and people like that. You know, that that's what you want to want to see from a, some of your safety. His learning curve has come very quickly, Howard. Well, He's getting better a lot faster than maybe I think some people thought. He came from a good system. Oh. <laughs> Again, folks, this is the Bama Roll Tide stuff it's, that's kind of, you know, not, suffocating it, us in this not, room. It's not the Bama Roll Tide stuff, you have to admit. He came from a good system. Yes, he did. came from some really good defensive coordinators. Yes, he did. That uh, go on and play, you know, become head coaches at other places. He, he's coming from a good system. The other thing that he said that I definitely wanted to get your take on, uh, Saquon Barkley had the 130-plus yard run the other day, which looked like Saquon the way we remember him, mm-hmm. and then the rest of his runs didn't amount to much. Well, it didn't amount to much because uh, I guess he's getting hit in the backfield. Getting hit before, I think he almost had the ball. Okay. It was so that, brutal that, the that, way they were all over him. That, like like said, bees on honey, Howard. Fletcher Cox. Uh, but, um, <laughs> Fletcher Cox. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I think that, that, that as Saquon goes, and I, and I don't talk to Saquon on a, on a regular basis or anything, or hardly ever say, say hi to him or anything, because I mean, we're not allowed to be close to guys, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a tier three or whatever it is I'm supposed to be. But what I see in Saquon's game is th- the first game he's back, he does one thing. Second game, he's back. He leans in a little bit more. By the third game, when he feels comfortable with his feet, because uh, he's done it before with his ankle, and th- this year he did it kind of with his knee. He kind of like first game he was kind of getting his feet right. Second game he was getting his feet right. By the third game, like, uh oh, here we go. Now he's back. So this is about his second or third game back. So he's he'll be a little bit closer. And if he can stay healthy, you're going to see more of him being who he is. And he'll make the offensive line block better because when guys are overloading trying to get to him and eventually they're going to have to not get to him because they're going to be worried about is Daniel going to keep the ball and when they, Daniel keeps the ball they got to chase Daniel down the outside so this week that may not be an option though with Glennon uh, like I said it, it depends like but that that's part of what happens in the games with him and it just helps him get get his get into his game sooner you know and Booker playing and, and him watching Booker and how Booker doesn't have the shiftiness. Doesn't have the has the one foot in the ground, and I got to go forward. I guess this is where I have to go forward right now. There's no no other place for me to go. He watches that, and he starts to emulate that. And with that power, you saw him carry guys three or four yards. You know that's just part of the game. I don't think it, he's not getting every block in front of him exactly right now. He's dodging guys a lot in the backfield. And he really guys, is. And guys are are you know I guess he's a big name I guess he's a whatever but they're a little extra hyped up when he's in the backfield to come get him so this is part of it so what what he's saying yes he could have a breakout kind of game but it's only going to be because it's the next game up for him he's just getting his feet set and getting his mind back into the to the style he wants to be we go to line two a pole in Miami is next on BBKL hello enjoying the weather uh yeah hi guys how you doing today very good 
Howard needs to know the uh, weather report for the game on Sunday because he likes to be warm on actually, the sidelines. Actually, I need to know what's going to happen Friday uh, through Sunday <laughs> because Friday I'll be down there playing golf. So just let me know. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. That's important, too. Uh, right now I'm in Naples. It's beautiful, but I'll be in Miami. Uh, I'm back in Miami for the weekend uh, taking my uh, eight-year-old son to his first, uh, first oh, professional game. Very so cool. cool. Very yeah. cool. And uh, they're trying to make a Giants fan out of him before his mother gets to him and try to convert him to a Patriots fan. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, she's uh, she, she, yeah, she, well, she's sneaky like that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, first of all, uh, I just wanted to thank you guys for uh, for getting me through the uh, you know the good weeks, the bad weeks, and uh, and especially the long weeks of the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you guys have been uh, been great. Um, well, thank I just you. Wanted a quick uh, quick couple of comments. Um, you know, one as far as uh, Tony, uh, I believe it was uh, the uh, Monday night game against Tampa. Um, and for as great as he is, there was one play. Uh, where I think it was like a third and five, um, and uh, they had a little swing pass out to Tony. He caught it at about three yards and, and had the, the final two to go. Um, and I don't want to beat him up too much for it because I, he's a rookie. It's Monday night, um, and he's got the skills to do it. But, you know, instead of just putting his head down and getting the extra yard and a half or so, uh, you know, he tries a little razzle-dazzle. And, um, he lost three yards. Enough, you know, he gets, gets tackled right where he is. I know. And, um, you know, I'm sure that's something that'll come with, with time and experience and know that, you know, not every play has to be a 40-yard breakout. Um, so, uh, you know, but that's just something I'd like to see him, uh, you know, uh, uh, gather as he, as he grows more. I think that you um, can't – I can't think you can't expect a lot of that because I think that that's the nature of the, of the athlete. That's why they draft him because of that quick move that he's going to make sometimes. Sure. A, a lot of times it's going to be a first down, and every once in a while they're going to tackle him for a loss, and that's – <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's part of what what makes him what he is. If you tell him just put his foot in the ground and go forward every time, then you lose the part of him that you want that's so explosive. His batting average yeah, yeah, on he, making those jukes is going to be relatively high, extraordinarily high. But that's part of the game. Yeah, and I, I definitely don't want to take a, you know uh, restrict him from what his his capabilities are and then why we drafted him exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things, uh, you know, I when I say getting into the 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 good and the bad weeks, I hear so many, you know, callers and uh, other friends who are Giants fans calling for the heads of uh, whether it be Garrett at the time, uh, Gettleman, uh, Joe Judge. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people who want these guys, you know, they want hung from the town square. Um, and it just, you know, as it is, Judge will be what? This is, um, this will be our third coach in five years. Uh, I haven't seen, uh, if I'm not mistaken, McAdoo was one year. Uh, Shermer was two. McAdoo was two. He was almost year. two. He didn't uh, make it oh, through I'm the sorry, second season. Oh, I'm sorry. Other way around. Okay, that's all right. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, I, either way, without any consistency and then replacing a coach every couple of years, I don't know too many teams who do too well under those circumstances. None of them. Do. Um, yeah. So I, I'd like to you know give these guys a chance. I think we're going in the right direction. Um, you know, and, and without wanting to, like I said, hang them from the town square every Monday after a loss. Um, you know, and, and try to fix it just by replacing everybody up front. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, the last thing, and, and I don't have any statistics to back this up, but um, it, it's more just a personal observation. Uh, but I noticed sort of that if a team like the Giants did last year and on a good note, um, make some uh, uh, aggressive moves in the offseason, either through the draft or free agency, and... Uh, you know, then have some high expectations going into the following year, uh, and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, injuries, bad luck, whatever the circumstances are, 
Um, it's more just sort of been my observation that it's it's not that first year when everybody expects them to do great. It usually takes, you know, to, it's to the following year or so. Uh, most recently, I think it happened with Cleveland after they made a, a bunch of moves a couple of years ago, didn't perform well, uh, you know, that, that season. Um, you know, and then last year really broke out and did well. And uh, I was wondering if you guys, uh, you know, have, have noticed that, could they be back it up or shoot it down in any way? Um, and then, uh, Paul, as a, as a fellow Paisan, I was wondering if I could tell you, uh, if you're familiar with a, a quick story. Um, I have the, the short family version. But there were uh, three pigs who had a long-standing beef with a wolf. They moved to a new town to get away from him. And the uh, first pig built a you know, pretty shady house. As the story goes, wolf comes, huffs, puff, uh, blows the place down. Goes over to pig number two's place. Uh, same routine. House doesn't stand up. Uh, you know, wolf knocks it right down. So the first two pigs go over to pig number three's place. Uh, great uh, uh, school districts, uh, in-ground pool, the whole nine. <laughs> so the wolf follows them over there. The first two pigs tell pig number three what's going on. Pig number three gets on the phone, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, makes a quick call, and, uh, you know, puts the phone down. A minute later, a big Cadillac pulls up. Two huge hogs in suits get out, walk up to the wolf, kick the snot out of the wolf, uh, leave him half dead, laying on the sidewalk, get back in the Cadillac and drive away. First two pigs go, uh, you know, turn to pig number three. They go, wow, who are they? Those are my cousins, the guinea pigs. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Thank you so much. (laughs) Take care, guys. Appreciate that, Paul. Thank you. That is brutal. (laughs) And you said that I had a bath comment. Okay. I think think right after this show, I got to have a plate of pasta. (laughs) We go to line three. Sal from New York. You're next on the show. uh, No? Did we lose him? Oh, we lost. We lost Sal. I got to refresh. I got to refresh it here. Scott from New Mexico is next on the program. Hello, Scott. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to have to come up with some jokes now (laughs) instead of calling in. But uh, uh, after that, I'm not sure what I want to say. But uh, (laughs) in any event, (laughs) uh, in any event. I want to get back to an issue that I think is really important, uh, and I want to get back to Evan Ingram specifically. Uh, Howard, obviously you played the position, so you know. Mm-hmm. Right now, Evan Ingram uh, is averaging about a less than nine yards uh, every reception, which is sort of towards the bottom of the barrel. And I understand he has to be chipping and helping out on the offensive line. Is there another way to free him up because right now I think he's being wasted. I know he has to do what he has to do, but when you have somebody with that kind of speed and that ability to break a play and you're having to use him to chip, aren't you taking away a weapon that you really need to have on the field? I know you have Galladay, but Galladay's not a burner. And Slayton is fast and Ross is fast, but if Evan Ingram... Uh, especially in the modern NFL, uh, I think he ranks 27th among all NFL tight ends. And you know that right now uh, the tight end position is almost as important in an offense as the quarterback. It sounds kind of crazy, but every team seems to have a guy uh, that can make plays when you really need to make them. And Evan Ingram, I mean, he's going to his fifth-year option. I'd hate to see him not reach his potential, but are there other ways that the Giants can utilize him without having him 
uh, be another offensive lineman, so to speak. I wanted to get your impression of how they're using them, and is there a different way to approach this? Until until the, they sure up the uh, the uh, blocking and can and get more than a second, you know, get hit in the second step of three step drop. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. Like he can run free down the field all he wants if if the quarterback doesn't have time to give him the ball or is running for his life. It's just not going to work. So you know, I appreciate his ability and and everyone wanting him to be you know free and down the field and and he wants to be free and down the field. Believe me, but. It's just part of the game that right now that they're dealing with until they can shore everything up, uh, can make sure that their their offensive line stays healthy. You know, when they first started out, the first two or three games, like Daniel wasn't even getting hit. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Right. Then, then a break here, a twist there, an, an mm-hmm. IR here. I'm like, okay, well, well, that was over with. That went quick. So you you can't we can't predict uh, health of, of other players, and you can't predict, you know, what's going to happen to. Uh, unfortunately, for you know. You said they're just as important as quarterback. Quarterback basically touches the ball every play. And center touches the ball every play. No one else touches the ball every play. Those two guys are your important guys. When it comes down to your offense, everybody else depends on those two guys to, to get the ball the started in every play. The, the tight end is like everybody else. It, it, hey, you got can you throw it to me? Can you share it with me? The running back, will you share it with me? The, the receivers, will you share it with me? And everybody's crying for it and wanting it. But if you don't protect those, you know those first two, uh, first two guys in that, in that exchange, you don't get a chance to get it shared with you. Well, my example: you look at the top teams. You look at a guy like Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey and Dawson Knox, Hunter Henry. You go down the list. These are playoff teams, and what I'm saying right now, Evan Ingram uh, also, has less than 300 playoff, yards. Also, playoff offensive lines. Right, that's true. But that's why I was asking the question, is there another way by putting somebody else, maybe getting another offensive lineman there, and having uh, Evan Ingram do what he does best, which is run down the field as opposed to chipping and that kind of thing. Well, and that was really my, my real question. Yeah. And uh, Thanks, guys. I'll, I'll, I know you're short on time, so I'll take it off the air. Thanks. So, thanks so if, if, and the question is, is there another way if you put somebody else in or you know, maybe get an extra lineman in? The problem with something like that is that it's predictable. You know, when you put all these guys in and you make it a two-man route, then, hey, look, we can send as many guys as we want, and we can double these guys on the outside, and it's kind of easy. And that's kind of the only thing that you can do. If you put every, all those guys in, it's got to look like a run, it's got to be a play-action play, and then he has to, like, beat his guy deep. That is the only way to kind of do it because you can't – these guys get paid to, to watch tape and, and to, you know, pay attention to what's going on. So once you do something once or twice, it's on tape. They're like, okay, well, hey, look, this is the personnel that's in. Let's look for this, and everyone's looking for it. Now, just as a matter of comparison, the Miami Dolphins offensive line is having a lot of trouble this year as well. Mm -hmm. All right? Now, they play a lot of two tight ends, and they line up Gesicki most often as a flex tight end in the slot. Okay, because they want to make sure they make use of his pass catching ability. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why he's fifth amongst NFL tight ends in catches and receiving yards this year. But there is a give and take to that. By doing that, their offensive line, which has struggled a lot this season, continues to struggle. And as Howard will tell you, the top priority really has to be to make sure your quarterback is standing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been willing to pay that price and take that risk. And, you know, that's why over this four-game winning streak, let's make something clear. We haven't talked about Gaskin very much. He's their lead running back. Doesn't have overly impressive numbers. In fact, he doesn't even have a 100-yard game this season. 
But over the course of the last six games, he is running the ball three times more often than he did during the first six games of the season because the Dolphins realized that they had to have some more balance to try to keep those pass rushers a little more honest because they were getting shredded, Howard. Do you know the left side of their line? They, they had a move, Eichenberg, who started out the season uh, at left guard after the first month of the year when they were getting devastated. They wound up moving him out to left tackle. They had their starting right tackle, who was Austin Jackson, the mm-hmm. U- U- USC kid. Eichenberg, by the way, was a second-round pick out of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Hadn't given up a sack in his last two years with the Irish. Okay? And now he's given up seven and a half this year, which is the most in the NFL of any offensive lineman. It's the NFL. That's right. Mm-hmm. Jackson started out as their right tackle. Mm-hmm. They figured he couldn't handle the speed out there on the edge anymore. So after a month, they moved him inside. Mm-hmm. And now he's playing left guard. Well, the combination of Jackson and Eichenberg have had 18 penalty flags thrown against them so far this year, which is horrific for offensive line. Not, you don't want those kinds of numbers. Mm-hmm. And between the two of them, Eichenberg's given up seven and a half sacks and Jackson's only given up a half. But when you send Kasicki out on those routes, you're leaving those guys exposed. Mm. All I can say is, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. And I get all those numbers, and that's great. They played the Jets. <laughs> they played the Texans. <laughs> well, <laughs> you play, you play, and teams. that's kind of why they could survive, right? And you played teams that weren't playing all that well and struggling themselves, and you found a way to get some wins in, and you even blew a team out, and that's good. You also have to look at the fact that their quarterback, who is Tua, who is, I guess, some people call him maybe a little fragile, but whatever you want to call him, you can call him. He got hit a lot. And when you're getting hit a lot, and it's not because he's running and trying to trying to get somewhere, it's because he's getting hit in the pass protection. He has to come out of the games with broken ribs or whatever else he has, you know, going back and forth. Which every time he gets hit, people start calling like, "Hey, you know, we need to figure out if we got the right quarterback." I don't know if this guy's good enough. I don't know what's going on, but he keeps getting up and straightening his helmet, and pulling grass out of his face mask, and like, "Okay, let's try it again." So my point would be that over and over again, as we look at this game. Look at it in a healthy sense of, hey, look, we have a team that's struggling. I know they've won four in a row. Look who they played. They are struggling. Let's make them continue to struggle. Fair enough. He is Super Bowl champion Howard Cross. You can find him at Howard Cross 87 on Twitter. Is that correct, Howard? That's me. I thought it was. I'm at Giants WFAN. Paul Dottino's the name. This has been Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for joining us for the last hour here on Giants.com. Jot down the number. We're here every weekday live from 1230 to 130 p.m. Eastern Time at 201-939-4513. And don't forget, you can always catch an archive of this show on the Giants mobile app, Giants.com, and your favorite podcast platforms everywhere. Until next time, so long, everybody.